Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday and welcome to Stranger Things Week or the beginning of Stranger Things Month or whatever the hell is going to be Stranger Things season. I think it'll be 10 days. Yeah? You yeah. Want, you're, you're, that, that's your, your hard, hard pass after that? I think after 10 days uh, it will subside. Yeah, so you're calling it the end of Stranger Things time, like what, November 3rd or something? Yeah, once uh, people start realizing they've got to make Thanksgiving plans and finding dishes and going shopping, they're going to be like, ah, I'm good. I got yeah. it. I don't need to talk about it anymore. But essentially... So we're, we're getting a jump on it. We're getting a jump on it. Um, so it's worth noting that as we, as we record this, uh, I believe this is true. Ben, you have not started watching season two yet, right? No comment. Okay. Um... I have not started watching season two, so um, basically what this means is we're talking. We're not going to be spoiling anything about the, what, what to. As ex- if we would anyway. As if we would anyway. We are we're not monsters like the film team. Yeah, the monsters. What, what did the film team do? They posted that this is the end credits of uh, the new Thor movie, like a week and a half before the movie comes out. They do that every time, though. I know it's monstrous. <laughs> Like, this is the thing where every time I, I say to somebody, like, like whether I'm talking to, uh, like, a PR person or a network executive or a movie, like, a, a writer or whoever, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, IndieWire, you can trust us. We're not we're not spoiler people. Like, we're not hunting. We're not, we're not monsters. We're not going to do, we're not here to, you know, to ruin your movie. Like, we want to honor the thingamajig. And then stuff like that comes up, and it's just like, what are we, I, my word is worth nothing. Well, that was always true. Well, for different things, though. Like, when I speak for the site, I'm usually on solid ground but you speak for the tv section i guess um sort of uh point is nope too late can't take it back yeah all right point is uh we're not getting into spoiler territory but we are there is something fascinating about stranger things as it is as a you know cultural phenomenon especially given the way it kind of took over pop culture last year in a way that was really unexpected i think we talked we talked briefly on this podcast before about how Ben, you actually went to the set back in like back in the January before it came out, and it was just like we got casually pitched this thing about like oh it was kind of kid oriented Winona Ryder show, kind of sci fi ish. Yeah, pretty standard. We've got a new show coming out. We want to try to build a little bit a little bit of buzz around it, so we'll have some journalists out. Uh, to make sure we get some additional coverage whenever it comes out, because we'll probably need it. Mm-hmm. Little did they know. Little did they know. They did not. That or those set visits were the reason that Stranger Things became a massive hit. I mean, so, maybe. So basically what you're saying is that you are personally responsible for the, for the success of Stranger Things. I'm saying Netflix could throw me a couple of bones, you know, like give me an exclusive here or there or invite me over to the campus to hang out at their offices more often. Like, you know, some 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 stuff. They have good food. They do, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for you, Ben, like, I'm interested in your perspective on it because the thing, you, you brought up a tweet that somebody sent out um, recently, I believe. Well, here's the, here's the thing. This is going to get a little inside baseball, but I'm going to try to broaden it out as much as we can. Um, when Stranger Things hit last year, it was a very slow rollout. It was something where the show came out, and that first weekend, people kind of sparked to it. There was definitely a, a surge because, A, it's a Netflix show. B, it's it was the summer, uh, so there wasn't a ton of counter-programming going on. B, it was an easy and addictive binge, so people really got into it. But 
Yeah. You raised your hand. I, I, was, I was also going to note, like, in that first weekend, when another thing it had going for it, very easy show to track to certain algorithms. Like, if you, if Netflix, Netflix looks at its data and is like, this person's really into Steven Spielberg movies or something like that, it's very easy to target that particular audience member. So it's like Stephen King, Spielberg, 80s nostalgia, horror, like, all yeah, of I'd, these things. I'd make the argument that it was built because of the algorithm more than it just happened to fit into it when it arrived. Like it was something where, much like House of Cards, where they just were like, well, people are really into these things. We can make a show about that. This fits perfectly. Bum. Yeah, fair. Uh, so anyway, it was it was a slow rollout. So what happened was, as, as people who are covering it, usually with a show, like if it's a traditionally airing show, you know you're covering it for the... 10 episodes it's on, those 10 weeks, or, you know, 13 weeks. Or if it's, you know, a broadcast show, you're going to have it all year, but you can focus on, you know, key episodes that are really good or Sweeps. beginnings or finales or whatever. Um, but with Stranger Things, there wasn't really a cap because what happened was people kept discovering it and it kept growing and growing and growing because it became such a monster hit. So then as reporters, you end up covering it forever because people are still talking about it. It came out, when did it come out? June? It was uh, mid-July, July. I think. Uh, it, I mean, people were still talking about it in, at Christmas. Like, it was one of those things where it just kept rolling. It was, right. a, it was a monster. It and was one- that meant that we were writing so much about it that it became exhausting. And the tweet that uh, Liz is alluding to, which I'm not sure, it's either IndieWire's own Michael Nordeen or uh, IndieWire's ex, Vikram, can't think of his uh, last name. Shoot. Um, but wonderful guy. But wonderful guy. <laughs> Great writer. And very accurately put, basically, if you were required to cover Stranger Things when it first came out, that you are allowed to dis- disproportionately hate on it because you just get fed up. There's only so many things you can talk about with a show, no matter how fascinated you are with it. But feeding the beast is a very real thing. And this beast needed to be fed for so very long. Now what's different is the second one isn't going to be like that. Everybody already knows. Everybody's already ready. They're all going to watch it, or the majority of people are going to watch it that first weekend, which is why I think Stranger Things uh, Stranger Things 2 season will have a, a smaller tail. It, it, it'll be longer than 10 days. That's absurd. But it, uh, it won't be a six-month ordeal. People will be intensely obsessed with it for a shorter period of time, and then... Well, I think Move like on. Uh, the reason I actually don't I don't know if you're wrong about the ten days thing is because uh, I mean they I think Netflix has done a really smart thing in, t- in tailoring this very specifically to the Halloween season, but you know it's go- coming out like the Friday before Halloween, so you're gonna get like a ton of people binging it over the weekend, and it's nine episodes, so that's like you know you knock out four on Saturday, you knock out five on Sunday, you got yourself. Uh, you're ready to show up on Monday and not get spoiled by anybody at your office. Um, and, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, Stranger Things coverage for a lot of TV reporters definitely became uh, the equivalent of gorging yourself on mashed potatoes. And mashed, I feel like I was initially thinking about ice cream, but ice cream is considered to be really delicious. And I love, but I feel like ice cream would be consistently more enjoyable to binge, to, to you know, gorge yourself on than mashed potatoes. Like at a certain point, you might get sick of mashed potatoes. Though, in retrospect, I realized that I probably would prefer mashed potatoes to ice cream. I was just trying to make this more universal. Well, the the, the point is that... <laughs> you, you don't have any insight in my gonna, mashed potatoes If you're going to go mashed potatoes route with an, allegor- with a, with an analogy, then 
basically it's as though everyone in the world keeps telling you for a year that the only thing you should be eating right now are mashed potatoes. Right. And after a month, you're like, you know what? I could go for something else. I can get some turkey now. That'd be nice. Some mac and cheese. I can get some mac and cheese. That'd be okay. And they're like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about the mac and cheese. The mashed potatoes is all we care about. But the, but the mac and cheese is, is also really good. Fuck it. Fuck that mac and cheese. All but how we're will talking pe- how about. How will people know about the mac and cheese unless doesn't like. doesn't matter. You don't need to know about it because we're only worried about the mashed potatoes. <sighs> mashed potatoes are pretty good though. So in this, <laughs> in this analogy, Stranger Things is pretty good. I just wish more people would have seen Red Oaks. Like, I wish more red, people... Red, red, red Oaks is your macaroni and cheese. <laughs> it's my macaroni and cheese, where everybody was literally saying, don't worry about it. That show doesn't matter. Please write more and talk more and talk only about Stranger Things. Uh, so in, so Stranger Things 2 is coming, and I think to the, the point that hopefully will bring this conversation out of just us, uh, us few TV critics and reporters who are belly aching about life's easiest job well not easiest but it's up there yeah uh <laughs> is that to prepare for the second season i actually went back to rewatch the first season and um i i'd seen it a bunch like you see scenes pop up all the time yeah. since we're writing about it you got to revisit it you're checking in on it but i had not watched it in full since it first came out that right. was just something that i didn't have time to do no even when you are feeding the beast like that um and it's it's it was nice. It was better than I remembered it being. Like it was and it wasn't that I didn't like the first season. It was just that I was a fairly yeah, that was fun, but I'm going to leave it at that kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um I was stricken the second time around by how many people are always yelling in Stranger Things. There's a lot of really intense passionate yelling and a lot of very melodramatic acting. Uh, on the part of the kids or the parents? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody is yelling. The kids are constantly yelling at each other about, you know, who betrayed who and uh, who's well, the, the kids, traitor. The, the kid... And they're emotional kids. That's so fine. Yeah. Whatever. But the parents are, are equally to blame. And not just Winona Ryder. Like, David Harbour. And, like, they're all just yelling. There's right. a scene where um, the government comes to talk to the main kids, and this is again. I'm sorry, guys. Like I'm, I, I don't know the names. I don't care. Um, the main kids' house, like the Nancy's, the sister, and then the main kid who has a crush oh, on yeah. Eleven. The the you know they're looking for Eleven, and they come over and they you know tell him, and the dad, Mike. the horrible, stupid dad. Yeah, the horrible, stupid dad has that line where he's like, <laughs> where he's like, it's our government. They're on our side. It's like Jesus Christ. Of course they're not. This is the dumbest thing. Anyway. They sit down and the, they're talking to the mom, and basically all they've said to the mom is that they think her son has been keeping a, a tiny little girl in their house that they don't know about, and they want to talk to the girl. And she, they tell her to calm down, which is always a great thing to tell a woman to do. Like, just make sure you guys do ben, that all ben, the time. Ben, ben knows from experience. Yeah, tell, tell women that they're crazy and tell them to calm down because that makes you an A-class male slash human being. I've only thrown like five things at you. It's great. <laughs> uh, but she gets so crazy. She gets so angry. Like just so, <laughs> I almost said crazy, but like so <laughs> upset. Like so vehemently upset because she was specifically told not to and then she just starts yelling and it's like this isn't justified. Like this is just like you're constantly trying to amp, amp up the drama and this is weird. 
No, I'm getting off topic because I did say it was better than I remembered it being. Yeah. And it, and it is. It's a very enjoyable binge, and it's it has a lot of good elements that go into it. Um, but what I'm curious about, I guess for the most part, and Liz, you're going to have ample opportunity to speak to this because I know you you do this a lot. Does it? Does your perception of things, your perception of things obviously changes over time. Right. And your memory can obviously betray you. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much of an impact, I guess, does it have when you just stay on something? And I'm thinking specifically for Stranger Things where I feel like people, a lot of people are going to do what I did where they, they had a break and then they revisit it before the new season comes out. But a lot of people have been living in this thing forever. Like there are. They're the Comic-Con people. They're the they're the people who are dressed up at a, for Halloween, and they're going to do it two years in a row. Like, they're the people who have been watching these, like, fairly regularly or checking in on it fairly regularly, and then they're just going to launch into season two, which is going to be a brand-new experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering kind of how that colors your perception of a series because, for me, I feel like if I live in something too long, it's just weird to see the new stuff, and it's hard to look past... Just the sheen of of it being new, just the 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 mere concept of these characters doing things that we haven't seen them done before because we've seen them do everything time and time and time and time and time again. Right. When I saw the new Rocky Balboa, like after watching the first four Rockies my entire life, it was a weird experience just to see Rocky doing something different, and that's a big part of the nostalgia factor that's overriding a lot of things nowadays. But with Stranger Things, it's weird because it's not nostalgia; it has a lot of nostalgia in it, but it is just you living in this thing for so long and then suddenly you're getting new episodes and it's it's a different beast are you setting me up to talk about the x-files yes <laughs> thank you um because yeah i but, didn't even think you'd i thought you'd just launch straight into it <laughs> yeah i felt like acknowledging the meta nature of that um but yeah remember when Mulder oh. took an uber <laughs> oh my god which is just doesn't make any sense by the way why would Mulder take an uber he that co- that company's so corrupt Sorry, don't take Uber, guys. It's a bad company. Um, Lyft is all right. Uh, point is, um, I think what's interesting in, in what you're talking about, like kind of like how does a fandom react when you insert like a new wealth of material into it? Um, it's a really good question. And I feel like the, the major difference between something like The X-Files and something like Stranger Things is that Stranger Things is so much more finite in terms of like its scope we're talking about a show we're talking about eight episodes we're talking about times 60 that's uh 480 minutes of tv right well it was because it's they have shorter episodes but yeah whatever yeah around there that's it's a lot that that feels that for if i i used to know how to do math guys i swear to god 360 300 360 minutes of television um or less like 300 minutes eight Eight times six. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember how to do it. <laughs> it's 48. Okay. It's 48. It's 40. You were right. I, I was right the first yeah, time. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's okay. There's less. Uh, point is. Point is, there's not a lot of material there. Um, and there's it's thousands also, of minutes of X-Files. There's thousands of minutes of X-Files. And also, Stranger Things had, like, cool elements to it. And you talk about the Upside Down. You talk about the Demogorgon. But, like, the mythology isn't complete yet like and i feel like that's going to be a part of season two like i feel like season two is going to introduce theoretically introduce more to the world and make it bigger and larger for and when we talk about fans living in living with a show essentially i feel like the 
amount of the the amount of show there is to live with makes a big difference. So like people have probably I don't like I don't know if Stranger Things has like the sort of hardcore fandom that you see for everything from like you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer to you know the Transformers universe. <laughs> I, I think Stranger Things is stronger than Transformers, but sure. I mean, just like going back to the cartoons and everything. I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought of Transformers. Um, well, to, to leap off of that, at least briefly. Right. One of the main things I'm interested about in this topic is the idea that Stranger Things, the first eight episodes, and I know they're selling this as a movie sequel. Like they're calling it Stranger Things 2 instead of Stranger Things. And, and this kind of plays into that idea, which I don't like. But the first season pretty much wrapped itself up Mm -hmm. until you had that stupid added cliffhanger fine whatever where you see uh you know will throwing up black whatever into the sink and you're like oh no this is still a part of him he's gonna have to go back and revisit but otherwise it it was a very contained story Mm -hmm. and what happens a lot when movies make a sequel because they aren't necessarily planning on a sequel is they have to expand the world and then it becomes awkward it's like you had this little thing that existed with a lot of you know like a lot of shots of them out in the woods and like people just pop up in the woods and you're like well that's because they, they didn't have a lot of money and they had to construct this world that would be believable and they'd hang out over there and then they're hanging out on a chain leap fence or they're climbing a tree or you know they're doing a lot of very practical easy down-to-earth small town vibe kind of things and when you have to blow up the world and make it bigger when you have to increase the mythology when you have to build in new storylines and take things to another level you can kind of, like in a worst case scenario you can kind of lose that feeling you mm-hmm. can you can separate yourself from what was there originally so what interests me about the idea of people hanging on so heavily like you know, digging into that first season of stranger things is I am worried that if they, when they do have to expand it, as I can only imagine they do have to do in, in season two, that they're going to lose that quality. And then the people who are so invested in the first season are going to be jarred. They're going to be thrown off by the fact that they've had to make significant changes to how the story is told. Well, I feel like, I feel like what you're addressing too is this kind of, I feel like, what I've been thinking of in my head is a binary because I feel like it only goes one of two ways with the second season. And it's, we're going to go bigger and better than ever before versus, you know, we are going to stay incredibly true to what we know worked about the first season. And either way, I'm not saying one approach is better than the other, frankly. Like, on the one hand... Both could work, yeah. Both could work. They are going to be... It's a slightly longer season than season two... uh, Than season one. One extra episode. One extra episode, which means that, you know, there's more more opportunity to kind of make the... Really define the mythology and really define what's going on with this show. Um, And... You know, there's and, and so that could be really cool. Like it could be, it could be great to see them like try to find new material in this, uh, or a, a you know new energy to it, rather than just kind of play up the old energy. That said, part of a lot of a lot of the charm of the first season was a lot of the small town stuff you're talking about and so forth. So, I see the advantages on both sides, um, for but for either approach, it just really matters. What just really matters at this point is. You know, how, how does it, you know, is the execution, frankly? Oh, yeah, that's always going to be the case. And but obviously, they, I don't know what's, where, where, which way is better. I don't think there is, I don't think there is an easy answer to that. It, it definitely depends on what their long-term plans are, because they're talking about that already as well. And, and 
it's this is something that's been thrust upon them, so no matter what, they've got to do it. And it's going to be hard to dial things back down, if only because part of what the show is built on is the idea of, of movie making and the idea of 80s movies in particular. And one of the staples of that genre was when you made a sequel, the and it holds true to this day, bigger is better. Like, you had to make it bigger than what came before. Right. That stunt that you did in season one where Eleven, you know, flips the van over the other vans and like or well over the kids and then it blocks the other vans in the road that's not good enough you've got to do better than that stunt you have to be bigger you have to think out like outside of that uh and that's not a bad thing they're gonna have they're gonna have more money Mm -hmm. they're gonna have uh you know the 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 means in which to accomplish this and, and to you know expand their imagination and do bigger crazier things um but at the same time because these are this is a story of kids and children's imagination uh, as much as it is a, like a sci-fi, otherworldly thing, it needs to it needs to hold on to them, mm-hmm. and it's gonna. I'm going to be interested to see kind of what they do to expand uh, each of them individually as characters, as well as kind of the the bigger vision of well, we're going to be fighting a giant monster because it looks like there's going to be a giant monster, which is going to be hilarious. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it'll be again. This is not a slight. I have a lot of disdain in my voice i'm sure because as we mentioned we this got is, a little burned exhausting out, in season one so season two seems a little daunting but i am not i'm i'm rooting for this show 100 and i i know that they can make a great season and i'm excited to watch it wow you really are yeah um yeah i mean i guess like i just get worried by worried you know it's like Stephen King is actually a really good example of this. Stephen King starts off his career an amazing writer, um, really great storyteller, really concise, clean prose. And then Stephen King gets really successful, and Stephen King stops getting so many notes from people and stops getting edited so much, and then just kind of like coasts on his own success for a long time. And it's been a like some, a lot of a lot of latter day Stephen King is pretty pretty weak sauce frankly, as on a writing level, just because, you know, people change with success and hopefully the success of Stranger Things doesn't affect it. It's interesting you brought up the characters thing because I feel like you are right in that one big thing with season two will be like, the characters are gonna have to push a little beyond archetype, especially the kids. Like the kids, I feel like, you know, fell into, you know, boxes to a degree and you know how that how that changes well they were treated as a unit yeah. like the kids worked together as a unit and there were phrase within the the group of friendship but that was like the biggest trial they had to overcome that was their biggest arc it was like if uh if uh, mike was mad at uh will will um, or whatever like well will was gone but yeah. if, if there was a friction within there then they just had to get back together to make sure they could accomplish whatever they wanted to accomplish right. uh then you'd cut to the older group of teenagers like nancy and jonathan or whoever that Guy with the hair. Um, the brother was, yeah. Um, and they, they had their own story. And then you had the adults, and the adults had their own story. And it was sectioned off into those little things. And then slowly those groups kind of came together toward the end of the season. And now it's like, well, is, is like, are the kids going to have their individual plot lines now? Are they going to try to expand it and by giving them individual things to do? Are they still going to be part of this group that's functioning as a one? Like, are they going to blow it up? Or are there going to be new, like, there's obviously going to be new relationships and whatever. But... Um, it's always it's always interesting to think about when you have so many options as to where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. And the expectation at this point is they're going to make at least, what, four 
seasons of this five i hadn't i hadn't heard that but that you know wouldn't shock me that's the last i heard and it's like when you have to hit that mark and you're not starting from scratch but you are starting from an end point Mm -hmm. to some degree it leaves a lot of questions up in the air as to what they're going to do to expand it and how much season two will emulate the structure and attitude of season one yeah so I mean, have they brought it? Have you heard about them bringing in any significant amount of new talent or anything? Well, there's a ton of new characters. Well, no, yeah. no, 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 but like behind the scenes, it's oh, still okay. Uh, one thing I did want to, one one thing that is interesting about the idea of like they about about the show is that <clears throat> because they do have a young cast, they really do. If they don't have a plan for like four seasons and how that works, like they better because you know those kids are going to grow up. Oh, they've got a plan. I think it's more about timing now. Yeah, it's just going to be about getting it done and obviously netflix offers a a unique opportunity to do that because one they're willing to spend money two they can release things kind of whenever they want Mm -hmm. so three it's just a a managing of the content kind of issue as opposed to if it's on broadcast you know when you're shooting you know when it's going to come out Mm -hmm. can't do a lot about it but if they see a conflict coming that they can't avoid or they want to take part in they can speed things up slow things down so Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, so from what I've heard from one, at least one show creator, that Netflix tends to have a quarterly approach to their content, um, which is to say they might not release a show in the same month, at, on the same weekend every year, but uh, they will tend to, they tend to think about it in like three month blocks. So that's why you usually get a new season of Orange is the New Black in June or July, um, because that's, or actually, you know, I think actually season one was July, but then they shifted it to June. Um, and it's been pretty consistent around in, in that month. Uh, uh, you get BoJack Horseman uh, usually in the July through September range. Uh, but as, as mentioned, Stranger Things premiered in July originally, but season two they moved it to uh, they moved it to October. So it's a different quarter altogether. Yeah, Stranger Things they can do whatever they want. Yep, same as House of Cards too. That was true of, um, but also. Was there, was there was there like a massive production delay on House of Cards season four, five, five? Yeah, five. Okay. I don't know. All right. I don't remember. I remember there was a lot of negotiations over where they were going to shoot because of tax breaks, but ah, that's probably it. Interesting. They always get that sucker out in time for Emmy season. Yeah, indeed. They had to make that date. Um, I mean. As you as you listen to this, uh, I believe the embargo for reviews has lifted, so you can go right now to IndieWire.com and find out what Ben thought of Stranger Things season two. It'll be very exciting. No spoilers. No spoilers. We're, TV you can trust. TV you can trust. Um, but in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was probably Ted Danson on The Good Place. Yeah. Um, I know he's gotten a lot of publicity for his role. It's not enough. It's, and he's getting better. Like he he's not. It's not that he was ever bad. Um, it's just that he is getting challenged more, and he is rising to the occasion in just unbelievably fun ways. Like if you if you think you know that you've seen all of Ted Danson's tricks, and you're gonna show up and you're gonna watch him just be charming and whatever, it, that is absolutely not the case. This guy is, he's bringing it, and I wholeheartedly recommend watching um even though i've got a few more quips and quibbles with the show itself uh than uh, some other critics i just uh nothing but a delight watching him 
So yeah, I feel like this season, without spoilers for Good Place season two, I will say, the 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 ch- the changes that were made for season two have really given him so much more to do in a really exciting way. Like, it's one of the best things about about the about the about the change is that is the fact that Ted Danson now gets to play a lot more colors of the rainbow. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but yeah, that's the that's probably the best thing I've watched. Liz, what was the best thing you watched? Um, I've been catching up with Ye Olde Show Legion, um, oh, yeah. which I had for some reason. For some reason, despite really being into it initially, I never <clears throat> fully finished watching it uh, back when it was originally airing. I think like because all the other TV was happening. Mm-hmm. Like God, that was uh, February, so we were preparing for Better Call Saul and. All sorts of crap, but yeah. Oh, and you also you also took the lead on uh, doing reviews for it, which uh, w- which were great. So yeah, I, ne- I didn't finish watching the season, but I'm finishing it now, and it's it's really charming, and I'm really enjoying a lot of like I find I'm finding it to be much more challenging TV than initially anticipated. Well, not initially anticipated. I knew it was Crazy Pants, but the ways in which it is Crazy Pants. Uh, are really exciting, and I can un- also understand why this show maybe didn't became a huge mainstream success, but it is it has been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it did pretty well for itself, though. It did. It, it had, I think, a small but a smaller fan base than it maybe could have, but it had it had a very loyal one. Well, yeah, I'll go check. But uh, I think it's interesting. I think, and there's like a I think there's a lot of different <laughs> arguments to be made and a lot of different examples, but it's almost like I watched Legion. And I see it as, as a as a means to hold your attention by being complicated. Like yeah. it's it's not doing it for just that. It's got a lot going on, and the structure of it is is definitely part of its inherent beauty and part of what makes it really worth watching, along mm-hmm. with just out of this world cinematography and direction. But um, you really do have to pay attention, and in this day and age where you're constantly distracted by things, especially when you're trying to watch TV. Um, if you get bored or you just think you can have it on in the background or whatever, it's it's not going to become one of your favorite shows. You might keep up with it if you're just a TV junkie like a lot of us are. But the best shows seems to be the ones or seem to be the ones that hold your attention by themselves. And I think Legion does that if only for the the complex presentation of it from literal like the literal look at look of it, production design, cinematography, direction, etc. Uh, to also the the intricate construction where it's just it's just you you can't skimp on it. Yeah, you're you're it falls into your bo- your into the same television box for you as uh, Twin Peaks, I imagine, where you have to pay attention. Yes, though Twin Peaks, oddly enough, invited you to stray. Like it would it would take those long pauses and it would it would it dared let, you not to watch. Yeah, yeah. That's one way to put it, yeah. But it was so good for Ladies and gentlemen, the Nine Inch Nails. Oh, God, that was great. Uh, It was so good. I missed Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, I hope he does another one. Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? I mean, is there going to be another Twin Peaks? No. You don't know that. It could be. He said there might. No, I mean, it's a good point. It's like five years, but. I mean, it will take another five years. Yeah. I'll wait. (laughs) Um, no, I mean, I, I think, I think the next thing, honestly, that I'm looking forward to seeing is is Stranger Things season two. But since we talked about it, um, I'll say At Home with Amy Steris is pretty high on the list as well. Oh um, yeah, I mean, we've only really seen clips from it, but it seems really fun. Yeah, I mean, Amy Sedaris is uh, 
a comic treasure and any kind of creation that she's going to throw out there is is worth entertaining and the fact that she's doing a, a tv show just flat out like you know she's always been such a unique talent that the fact that she's devoting her energies to this one thing and one thing alone is really exciting right yeah and it's it's a it's not a huge elaborate thing it's it's going to be a true tv show that's kind of a uh, not a send-up it honors them it's not trying to be it's not trying to ridicule them in any way of of those um uh what's it called like not home makeover uh like you're at home in the kitchen and they're they're baking stuff Common and garden they're, shows i don't you know, know like um my god there's a term for it i'm just bombing hard right now but basically she's at home and you are going into her like a mock-up of her apartment and she has like guests come on every week who help instruct home lifestyle something like lifestyle that style might be it. yeah home and something yeah but like they'll they'll teach you how to do x y and z and mm-hmm. it's very funny um but it's also got that like actual and structural value to it where you can learn something or you can you can engage with it. anyway justin thoreau's coming on as an astronaut <laughs> remember then what else do we need to know guys she was the best man at his wedding like this is this is great like yeah. it's going to be fantastic so i'm very excited to watch that uh liz what's the next thing you're looking forward to um, there's a lot of screener work I have to do in the next few days. Uh, but one thing I don't have to do, which means, ergo, I'm looking forward to do it. We'll probably do it instead of doing no, I'm kidding. I'm going to do the responsible grown-up work I need to do. But I am looking forward to checking out Godless, uh, which is, that's kind of a long lead tease. Uh, Godless premieres next month on Netflix. Uh, but it's a Western starring some guy, but then also like a really great cast of women, um, including Merritt Weaver and, shoot, uh, Good behavior lady. What's her name? Uh, Michelle Docker. Thank you. Yeah. So great cast, great great cast of women um, and some dude. And there's a couple of dudes. Yeah. Whatever. There's three. Well, there's two important dudes and another guy who people would know. Yeah. I can't believe you're being this dismissive of Scoot McNary. <laughs> I actually have a problem with Scoot McNary where I never recognize him. What is? Wrong with you? He's always changing his hair oh or ma- hair and facial. Yes, again. Yeah, it's a thing. Ugh. You could li- literally every time I see Scoot McNary, I'm, I I don't recognize him. And this includes like in like multiple seasons of of, of Halt and Catch Fire. This includes his cameo, small role in Gone Girl. I didn't want to call it a cameo because I didn't recognize him. But what cameos you recognize the guy? <sighs> Jack O'Connell is also in it, as is Emmy winner. Jeff Daniels. Yeah, I let you say his name just this once. Emmy winner, <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Eat that so much. It's perfect. <laughs> it is one of the best uh, things that's ever happened uh, at the Academy. Uh, it shows the wisdom of the TV elite and the industry folks who have the knowledge to give Ann Dowd and Jeff Daniels Emmys. Because, I mean, do we really want to live in a world in which they don't? No. No, we don't. I don't know. world sounds kind of nice. Nope. Sounds like a world where maybe John Hamm won an extra Emmy or two. He got his. What? He got his. Yeah. Um... Uh, you'll find Ben probably spouting more of this nonsense on IndieWire.com, where you'll also find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Party and party and hey, party and party and fun, 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 fun. 
It's what it's part of the line. Like that's one of the best oh, Will McAvoy right. scenes. Oh, oh Just my, sitting oh at the desk, singing like, Rebecca, whatever her name is, Friday. It's great. No, he won an Emmy. Oh my god, did he win an Emmy for that season? Did he win an I Emmy for doing that? I think that's season two. Ugh. I think that's season two. That's fine then. At least he didn't win an Emmy for singing Rebecca Black. He was nominated. Ugh, of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. He was great. Uh, there's other podcasts on IndieWire. Make sure you listen to them. I especially like the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with the wonderful Chris O'Fault. Uh, that's not to say anything you know, bad about our other great, wonderful, perfect podcasts that I enjoy as well, including Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider and the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Indeed. You can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. I think you already said that, but you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. No. I just I said you could I said you could find Ben's ranting on IndieWire.com. Oh, uh, I don't pay attention. You don't. It's okay. Well, that's true. Yes. But yes, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. Sometimes I need the rhythm, man. <laughs> it's been um, a great week. I'm out. Yep. We'll be back next week. Um, uh, refreshed, relaxed, hopefully. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds for us? Um, but thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television.